Welcome to Back Porch Bible Studies, where friends come and talk about what the Bible says about our God. My name is Deborah Geisels, and I'll be your host on this weekly podcast. You know, it's been said that the heart can't love what the mind doesn't know. So here, we'll study to know our God, and to know Him is to love Him. So, grab a drink and settle in for an afternoon of catching up and talking about our great God. Welcome, friend, to my back porch. Ephesians 2.1 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of our flesh and the desires of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Who is he talking to here? In chapter 2, verse 1, and you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Well, actually from chapter 1, he's still talking to the Jews, but then he says, all of us. So yes, he said, and you, and he's referring to Jews there. Among them, we too all formerly lived. This is all inclusive. But he's starting to transition between the Jews and the Gentiles. He starts out with spiritual gifts, chapter 1, verse 3, the spiritual blessings. But then he says, let's back up. Let's figure out where we came from. And, And I think before we can understand the grace of God toward us, we have to know what that grace was applied to. And I don't know about you guys, but I tend to have this thought, not, I probably wouldn't articulate it because that would be too prideful. And I probably wouldn't go forward and, and proclaim it because people would think I was off my rocker. But I think I get this attitude of, well, of course God would want to save me. I'm a pretty good kid right? I'm not that bad. Why wouldn't he want to save me? And once you've been in Christ, I think we forget what we were like before Christ. And so Paul shares in chapter one, all these spiritual blessings, but then he comes in on chapter two here and he says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. So what's the difference between a trespass and a sin? A trespass is actually going against a stated law, a stated commandment. I, tre- I step over the line when I'm told not to do this. Adam, don't eat of this tree in the garden. Everything else is yours. what do he do? He trespassed. There was a rule that he broke. So trespassing is God's stated laws, commandments that we cross. God's drawn the line in the sand and we step over it. We've trespassed into the other side, okay? So sin, if sin is singular, it is the power that drives us. The sin in us is what drives us. Sins, plural, are the acts of the power in us that we do. Does that make sense? Sin is the nature within me. I have a sinful nature. Sins are the enacting of that nature. I miss the mark by doing sins. See the difference? So trespasses is when we break the law, 
we break a command, we cross the line, and sin is the power that drives us to do sins, to do those acts of sin. All right, what do we know about dead men? If you are dead in your trespasses in sin, what does that mean? Seen a corpse? Reach? No. <laughs> you know what kept going through my head, and I know I'm sick for this, but <laughs> the walking dead kept going through my mind. I've never watched that other than the commercials or the trailers or that flip on in between other shows and stuff. I kept thinking about zombies, and they start overtaking the people that aren't dead, the live people. And I read this summary about the Walking Dead series, and it made me think about a visual of being dead in our trespasses. Here's what the summary said. The Walking Dead is a series based on the comic book series written by Robert Kirkman. This gritty drama portrays life in the months and years that follow a zombie apocalypse. A group of survivors travel in search of safety and security, constantly on the move in search of a secure home. But the pressure each day to stay alive sends many in the group to the deepest depths of human cruelty. And they soon discover that the overwhelming fear of the survivors can be more deadly than the zombies walking among them. At times, the interpersonal conflict presents a greater threat to their continuing survival than the walkers that roam the country. That was the write-up on this show. And what struck me about that was when we are dead in our trespasses and our sin, there isn't any hope that we are going to revert to our natural, our inborn nature, our sinful nature. The whole show is all about this deadness, dead in their trespasses. And I kept thinking, you know, whether they were alive people or they were these zombies walking around, they had no hope. And they were only living by their nature, which was self-survival, right? Instinctively. Even the alive people were trying to take care of themselves. Dead is dead. And dead is eternal, Dead isn't an annihilation of something. And in our culture, we, when we say a flower is dead, it's dirt again, right? There isn't anything left to it. But because we are eternal beings, there is never an end to any of us, whether we are alive in Christ or whether we are dead in our sins. That there is, once this life is over, there's eternity for both. Why is that important? Why is it important to remember that dead isn't done? It's easy to think that I will live my life to its fullest, whatever I want. It, as Solomon said, you know, I, I did whatever I wanted to do, whatever pleased me, and then man dies. Well, no, there isn't final day. It is just going from this time to eternity. And if we don't recognize that, it would be easy for us to live in our nature, to please ourselves, and just think, well, when I die, it's over, so, you know, whoop it up now. But that's not truth. That's not biblical. That isn't what God says. So one of the things that we need to understand that when we were dead in our trespasses and our sin, it just meant that we were children of death. Remember last week we talked about adoption into the Father of Truth and life. 
If we have not been adopted into God's family, we will live forever as children of death. And it's kind of zombie-like. There's no end to it. There's no getting over that. All right. Before we surrender to the Holy Spirit's urging, our spirits are dead to the things of God. We have no good within ourselves and no desire to submit to him. We're going to run a whole bunch of Romans verses today. So if you got your Bibles with you, open up to Romans 3, 9. Romans 3, 9 says, What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all, all under sin. Remember we talked about how Romans is going to help us understand Ephesians over and over again. Here's another one of those verses that he's, he's dealing with the same thing again. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. As it is written, there is, the, and, he, and Paul's quoting here from an Old Testament verse in Isaiah. And he says, there is none righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have to, this is the deadness, guys. This is the deadness of our sins and trespasses. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is none, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their tongues, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths, and the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Holy cow. That's some deadness. I mean, that's some so dead. I don't even, I don't even seek for God if I even knew there was a God, because dead men can't reach. Why is it important to understand that dead men can't reach? Yeah, it's not even in the real house. You, do, you need to know the state of being before Christ. If we don't understand that, God's grace will be cheapened in our mind. If we don't understand what he saved us from by his grace, we're going to think we had something to do with it. Our thinking would be warped. All right. If we go back in Romans to chapter 3 for a minute. Oh, you might not even have to go because this is a verse almost everybody knows. 323. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This verse is kind of confusing. If you, if you take this, all have sinned and fall short. Fall short implies that there was an effort, doesn't it? I was, I was aiming after God. And I came short. Even in the word sin in, in the Greek says to miss the mark. It, it implies that there was some reaching. Ladies, dead men don't reach. We didn't fall short of God's glory because we were trying. We fell short because it didn't exist. Big difference. Big difference. We cannot assume any longer that we ever sought God, which makes his choosing so much sweeter. All right, turn to Romans 2, 5. We're going to hit a couple of dead man verses. Romans 2, 5. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, 
you are storing up wrath for yourselves. This is, this is the activity. This is the sin of, of a dead man. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. So God's judgment of dead men is just. Dead men don't reach. Dead men can't reach. Dead men aren't seeking to please God because God can only be pleased. He can only be worshiped through the spirit and dead men don't have spirit. Their spirit is dead because that's what we're talking about here, right? Spiritual gifts and lacking thereof. So the revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each person according to his deeds. How many of you would like to have the judgment of your deeds rendered? Maybe you did it well, but did your motives signify that you did it well? You know, few years ago, the Lord really laid this on my heart and, and I hate to tell you this because it shows you my wretchedness, but I have been a believer for many, many years before I had children. But once I had children, I wanted to raise them up in the love and admonition of the Lord, right? That was my commitment. But when my kids started becoming adults and choosing their own ways, I'm like, well, I didn't teach you that. Why are you doing that? I didn't, why did that? And I had a sit down talk with the Lord and I'm like, I didn't raise them like that. What are they doing? <laughs> and he said, they're my kids, but I want to talk to you. And I'm like, oh, okay. He said, why did you raise your children up in the love and admonition of me? That was a good question. It wasn't that I did because I did. Ladies, I prayed daily that the, that God would give me wisdom, that he would help me to raise them up in a way that those children would know him like I know him and that would walk according to what, what the scriptures say and that they would have a hunger for God. I mean, I prayed that every day, every mama who loves the Lord, who is in Christ prays that, right? That's, that's your goal. That's your, that's your heartbeat is to raise those children up. That wasn't what God was asking me. He was asking me why? Part of it was a reflection of me as a parent, yes. But even more so, because I had dealt with my reputation as a mom. I, because I had learned that that was something I shouldn't be doing. You know what the core of it was? I had figured out the best way to raise your children in this world is to do it in the love and admonition of the Lord. I figured out the best method. It wasn't just James Dobson or Spock or any of the other philosophies of raising your children. It was through scripture. And it was as if he sat next to me and said, why didn't you just do it to obey me? You did it to outsmart the system and raise your kids well. I was humbled by that because the intention of my heart was do a good job raising those kids. It wasn't to the honor and glory of the Lord. And I I had to confess that. And, and so when I read in Romans 2, who will render to each person according to his deeds, I had spent, at this point, I was at least 25 years into parenting. By God's grace, he did not render my deeds because they were not pure. My motives were not purely for him. It wasn't out of love for my Lord that I raised the kids the way I did. Now, it looked the same. I mean, it, it would have looked the same. Y'all would have seen that she was doing this. Well, that's because 
That's what God says. That's because what, that's what they believe God is leading them to, right? But God knew my heart, even as, a, as an alive person, not just as a dead person. So to those who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life, but to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath, and indignation. As we come into Christ, we, we have to surrender all of that old stuff to him. And it's a continuous surrendering. It's something now I can, I can help my daughters with as they're raising their kids. Make sure you're doing this for the Lord's sake, not yours and not your children's sake. Right? You learn that. God's gracious enough to give us a second chance or a third chance in understanding these things. I want to take you to another verse. Go to Romans 5. I told you we were going to be playing in Romans all day today. Romans 5, verse 12. He says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world. Who was the one man? Adam. Right. Just as through one man Adam sin entered the world when he trespassed, and death through sin. Because he trespassed, that sin, that act of disobedience brought death. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Remember we talked about the difference between sin and trespass? That's what he's talking about here. Sin was still there, but there was no trespass until Adam crossed the line. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses. Why does Paul talk about Moses here? He was the lawgiver, right? He gave the Ten Commandments, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. All right, jump over to verse 20. I'm in Romans 5, 20. The law came in so that the transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abound all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm going to jump to another verse, and then we're going to come back and look at these two. So put your finger in 520 and jump over to 612, Romans 612. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, so that you obey its lust. Verse 17, but thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Ladies, what happened when sin came in? Look at that verse in 520. As sin reigned in death. Who was ruler? Me? Sin in me. He uses this word reign all through Romans, that sin reigned in our mortal body. Sin reigned in death. Sin ruled. We were bound by sin. And sin always led to death because sin is the culture of the father of lies. There are only two families to live in, in God's family or in Satan's family. It's it. And when we are dead in our sin, we belong to the father of lies, which leads to death. That sin in us reigns. It rules. It means that, that we are slaves 
to that sin. I want to paint a little picture for you. You ever been to the airport in big, big airports? There's those people walkers and you get on that walker. It's kind of like an escalator that's, that's flat. That's what sin is like in our nature is that you get on that people walker and you, you go where it takes you. There are rails on either side. And unless you're an Olympic gymnast, you're not jumping that. You get on that people walker on that moving floor and it goes in one direction. You don't get off to the left. You don't get off to the right. And it's kind of like that with sin. Oh, you can try to walk backwards, but you're still moving down the airport. You're still moving in the direction of that floor. And when we are dead in our sin, we don't get a choice. We're on that tread and we are moving in the same direction to death. That's it. Can dead men reach? Nope. I want to tell you a little bit more about our deadness. And the reason I want to hit this is not to make us feel like uh, we're sitting in the cemetery. But if we do not understand how dead we were, how apart from Christ we were, we in our little minds and in our little hearts are going to cheapen the grace of God. Because Paul follows this up with, but God but God. We're going to get to the but God, but I don't want us to skim over our deadness. One of the theological words for dead in our trespasses and sin is total depravity. You ever heard that term? Total depravity. Total depravity is a phrase or a name that is used to summarize what the Bible teaches about the spiritual condition of fallen man. Dead in our trespasses and sin is an acknowledgement that the Bible teaches that as a result of fallen man, it, back in Genesis 3, 6, that every part of man died. Every part of man is corrupted by sin. His mind is corrupted. Our will is corrupted. In other words, we don't even desire for godly things. Our emotions and our flesh are all corrupted. So dead men can be walking around because we're talking about spiritually dead. A dead man's mind, will, emotions, and flesh are totally depraved. That's some deadness. In other words, sin affects all areas of our being, including who we are and what we do. It penetrates the very core of our being so that everything is tainted by sin. Isaiah 64, 6 says, All our righteous acts are like filthy rags before a holy God. That's deadness. We sin because we have a sinful nature. We are by nature sinful. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 17 and 18, he said, So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. And I'd like to change a little word here, just not changing the Bible. I'm just going to play with it a minute. Nor can a dead tree bear good fruit. That's what he's referring to here. You can, it can't be done. Being dead in our trespasses and sin is seen throughout the Bible. Jeremiah 17, 9 says that a man's heart is what? Desperately wicked, yep, deceitful and desperately wicked. 
The Bible also teaches us that the man is born dead in trespasses and sin. We read that in Psalms 51, 5, Psalms 58, 3, and then here in Ephesians chapter 2. The Bible also teaches that because unbelieving man is dead in transgression, he is held captive by a love for sin. John 3, 19 and John 8, 34. So that he will not seek God because he loves the darkness. Dead men love the darkness. These are spiritually dead. Spiritually dead people don't understand the things of God. They don't understand it. That's why we get these arguments from people who don't know God. And you're like, what? What? Why can't you? They can't. They cannot understand the things of God. They're dead men. Therefore, men suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness and continue to willfully live in sin. It is our nature. A person who is dead in their trespasses and sin have a mind that is hostile toward God, Romans 8, 7 says, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is unable to do so. In the rest of Romans 3, Paul quotes extensively from the Old Testament in explaining how sinful dead men really are. For example, he's got six things in Romans 3, 9 through 18. He says, no one is without sin. No one seeks after God. There is no one who is good. Their speech is corrupted by sin. Their actions are corrupted by sin. And above all, they have no fear of God. So when we consider these few verses, it becomes abundantly clear that the Bible teaches that fallen men are dead because sin affects all of him, including his mind, will, and emotions. Here's what dead men aren't. Ready? I got four things that dead men aren't. Dead doesn't mean that man is wicked or sinful as he could be. Now, when we get through these lists, we think, well, that's a rotten person. I bet they're on death row in solitary confinement, right? I mean, these are wicked, nasty, ugly men. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Dead in our trespasses doesn't mean that the man is as wicked or as sinful as he or she could be. So they could look good. They're still wicked. Nor does it mean that man is without conscience or any sense of right or wrong. Dead men know that. We know from Romans chapter 1 that God has written his law on every human heart. Dead ones and alive ones. His laws are written. So dead doesn't mean that man is without a conscience or any sense of right and wrong. Neither does it mean that a man does not or cannot do things that seem to be good when viewed from a human perspective or measured against a human standard. Raising my kids looked good, but it was from a sinful motive. It doesn't even mean that man cannot do things that seem to conform outwardly to the law of God. Dead men can act good, but they're not good. In other words, man's fallen good deeds are motivated not by a desire to please God, but by our own self-interest and are then corrupted to the point where God declares that none of these are good, not one. How dead is dead? How good are dead men? Okay, don't you think we get our little brains going and like, well, maybe, maybe they're good enough. It's not. 
what the Bible says. Let's go back to our verses here in Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Of course, prince of the power of the air is our fateful father, right? <laughs> and the course of this earth is like being on that people mover. We are bound to this sin we are ruled by this sin of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and the desires of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath, dead, dead, dead. We were dead according to the course. We were dead because of the prince of the power of the air. We were called son, sin. Mm. We were called sons of disobedience. <laughs> By nature, children of wrath. I mean, it, he says it twice in these three verses. Sons of disobedience to the faithful father and nature of children of wrath. He says we enjoy the lust of the flesh. We indulge the desires of our flesh and of our minds. Huh. No matter how strong your faith is at any given moment, you probably walk through a time of your life when you dealt with conflicts of the heart and it feels like your selfish nature is on a relentless winning streak. Paul talked about that in Romans 7, right? 7:14 through to the end. And he said, I want to do well and I don't. There is forever this inner turmoil because when we are saved, when we are rescued, when God adopts us out of the grave, out of this dead man walking state of being, he doesn't completely remove our sinful nature. What he does is he gives us freedom to get off the people walker. We don't have to stand on that walker anymore. So, verse four, but God, but God. It doesn't say, but we. It says, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, God being rich in his mercy, what? Made us, what does it say? Alive. Yes, he made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He just spent all this time talking about how dead we were. Dead, dead. Dead men can't reach but God. Come back next time as we look at how and why our great God made us alive. Back Porch Bible Studies is a ministry of women in Christian leadership. You can find this podcast on your favorite forum or Go to womeninchristianleadership.com to find the many ways women in Christian leadership can help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. Back Porch Bible Studies would like to thank our sponsor, the faith-based business of Millennium Metals, a company founded as a ministry with the mission statement, in business to serve Christ.